there, wildling. Welcome to the Tea and Tombstones podcast. Here, we discuss topics in relation to the wild spirit, and we are rewriting the themes of wellness to include the spectrum of hallowed ground we claim within ourselves and the haunted ground we conquer with reverence and honor. My name is Ashley, the creator and wolf child of Tea and Tombstones. With tarot cards in my hands and a howl in my throat, I welcome you here. Hello there, my dear listener. Wherever you are at today, I just hope you are well, as always, that the energies of this new month are opening in expansiveness and graciousness and in emotional and physical and spiritual support for you in order to speak your truth and to speak what comes from your heart, because that's exactly what we are going to be talking about today for the monthly cards. There is a lot of emotional speaking, emotional honoring, emotional voices, and expanding on that in a way that is evolutionary, that is hinging you from one space into the next in a very big way. Before we get into the monthly cards though, in honoring emotional truth, I just wanted to make reference quickly to one of my last posts I made on Instagram about having to take a step away. I was noticing that I was starting to get into some spaces of burnout and I was also dealing with a sick kitty, going to the vet almost every other day with him to do x-rays, give fluids, constantly checking to make sure he was eating. These things revealed and compounded the ways I was not tending to myself and the ways that I was just kind of going full steam ahead, starting to show some of the signs of early burnout. This is not severe burnout. I have had severe burnout and severe burnout is one of the worst things I've ever dealt with. It was such a hardship to get over. Just started to realize that how I was not tending to certain things in my personal life and that was leading into my professional life and into other things like my relationships and my creative time and in my alone time I was just I was just starting to feel that disconnect. There are still some things that are lingering that I'm working through. But obviously, I always love to reach out and to connect with you guys through the podcast, through social media, all of that. And going forward, I may be a little bit less consistent or may not be on these platforms as much as I'm still working to like tend. And I'm also looking just at how I can kind of shape shift and shed some old skin here because going back to in my space of being full steam ahead, There were things that I just kept doing, kept doing, and nothing was changing. And I'm a firm believer that nothing changes if nothing changes. So some of this is just taking time to be creative, to come up with new things that I want to have on the platform that I want to offer through Tea and Tombstones. And one of the things that I would love is if there is anything that you would like to see or if there's any comment you have, I would love to hear that. I don't think we talk often enough about how much engagement means for small platforms. When I did my last uh, poll for what to put on the last uh, podcast episode, I think I got uh, six votes. And some people may say, you only got six votes. And I'm like, no, I got six votes 
fucking votes and those six votes mean the world to me because that lets me know a what you guys want to see and I want to make sure that I'm tailoring and providing resources that are going to be helpful for you that is always my goal with tea and tombstones is to be of service to what is helpful for you because that is what the tarot did for me the tarot came for me when I was in severe burnout and I needed some very deep healing I needed some deep incubation time so I could grow from my little egg and then emerge and be my little bird self and fly. And that's always what my goal is here is to make sure that my offerings and what I'm putting forward are of service in that way. So I would love to hear and connect with you guys in relation to that. This is what makes things like social media worthwhile. You can always email me. We can have that conversation there. You can reach out to me. You know, you see this a lot in places like Instagram where you see content creators actually asking, um, you know, people to like and comment and they're not doing that out of any sort of pleading or begging, but it's that the way that the algorithm works is that when there isn't that level of engagement, they tend to kind of get ghosted by the algorithm and then that means that their content isn't reaching the people who have liked it in the past, who have followed, who want to see more of it. So you could say that this is similar and like the podcast version of that. I'm not asking for ratings or reviews. I Well, I should say I do ask that at the end of every podcast episode of my outro because those things really do help. Those things help the podcast grow. But really, this is more just a level of engaging in any kind. Email, a question, anything like that. Now is the perfect time to transition and start talking about the monthly cards for this month. We got some big, expansive, intimate cards that we are working with for this month. We have our tarot card is the world, and our animal spirit card is the nightingale reversed. These are some very intimate cards. These are cards that are almost so big that at times they can feel awkward to tap into or hard to tap into. And the whole point of that is that when we start to work with these cards, we find ways to ground into them intimately in sacred space and in connection through ourselves and how we can in the moment and to be mindful of that. So grab your tea or whatever you are sipping on as I now go and heat up my cold coffee and let's start talking about these cards. So our first card for the month of September is the world. The world is a very significant tarot card or card within the major arcana. Now it's not better than any other card, but what the world is inviting or bringing forward is that we have moved now through the whole of the major arcana. Now yes, we do not go through the major arcana or the three lines in a linear fashion, but the world being the end of the major arcana brings with it no less very significant energies and invitations for us. The world indicates that these seasons and cycles are now in the sense of turning. There's this turning point, this hinging in a very profound way asking us to take what is still viable, but recognizing how we have moved through the whole creation, destruction, and evolution in this space, and now we are being called to rise and to grow. 
I'm going to read for you a little bit of the bio of the world from my ebook, which you can get through Patreon. The bio says the world marks the end of the major arcana, completing this last spiral within the chapter. This is because the world signals the end of one part of the journey, but also reveals that in many ways, the journey is never really over. It is more about how the internal workings within you have finished and used what this circumstance, phase, situation, relationship, and beyond have to give you. Now is the time to move to the next level. The world indicates the changing and rising of cycles and layers. There is no hierarchy, each one folding in on itself to bring in the next cycle. This means that the world card is about completion and embodying yourself onto and into these layers and cycles of the world around you and the magic around you. Each part of you is now folding onto this experience or situation, allowing you to completely embody higher purposes that can be found within this and all levels of ascension. When the world card appears, there is a sense of synchronicity and totality within this layer or within a part of this layer or within a part of yourself. There is so much more that the world card bio has for it. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. Again, if you want that and access to every tarot card bio that I have put down from my own workings and cultivations of intuition with the tarot, then I will have the link in the show notes so that you can become a patron. It is available at the first tier, the wraiths tier, and then you get so much more uh, than just the ebook. Going back to the world here, the world invites us or shows us how we can have a moment, a situation, an energy, an experience, a memory, anything at all that stands on its own. It's sovereign, it's complete, it's individualistic. And yet we also see at how it contributes to this vast moving of seasons and cycles and turnings and hingings and doors and windows opening and closing. So for instance, right now, at least where I am at, within the mountains of uh, conifer colorado the leaves are already changing we're starting to move into fall but the four seasons represent this invitation of the world so so beautifully because when we have the seasons we have within it a very understood marked time energy space with how trendy you could say fall is there's just a vibe that comes with fall or autumn and yet autumn is just part of the seasonal cycles that our physical world goes through and I love that we have this season because again it marks this very specific time frame it marks this very specific hinging of weather of energy of vibes of taste and the way our bodies react to this change in temperature and the growing darkness and yet it is just one part of the whole of the season so the world represents how we have in a very specific space in a very specific time we have very significant sovereign profound energies that are here with us that we can use for our own evolutionary journey for our wild reclamation for our betterment for our rising but when we start to see at the interconnection and the weaving and the folding in of these energies between what has come before it and what is going to come after it, we see in how there is this space where once we have gained what we can from 
this space, this time, this moment, this experience, we then see how we are then both naturally and sometimes maybe even forced to hinge again and move through the next part of this season, this cycle, this journey, this turning, like a wheel on a car. Each part of it contributes to the rolling and to the forward momentum of the car. The energies of the world are a little bit similar to the tens because the tens invite us again to this space of hinging, of composting in order to find renewal. The tens, however, have a little bit more of maybe a understood, um, an immediately understood, I should say, or a little bit more of an apparent where this hinging is occurring, where this composting for renewal and planting new seeds is occurring. With the tens and with the minors in general, I would say a little bit more of a self initiation into these energies, meaning that we have a little bit more of a clear direction with what is being composted, what is being renewed, where we're planting new seeds. The world and all of the major arcana represents macrocosmic energies, invitations, archetypes, things like that. So I like to think about working with the minors like this, and then we'll move on to the majors and then the world. When we're working with the minors, I like to think of it as like holding or flying a kite. We have the kite that is being directed by these bigger energies like the wind, changing of temperatures, and then we have us holding on to the kite by this long thread. While we can't control the way the wind blows, we can hold on to the kite and we can try to move it, manipulate it, try to work with the wind and the kite in a way where we create this little dance, if you will, if we're flying a kite. I have never actually flown a kite. Maybe that's something I should put on my bucket list. But working with the majors is like standing in a field seeing the wind moving the trees and feeling this connection to the wind, to the trees moving, to the sound of it, to the way that it feels on your body, that's working with major energy. And it's such that we can't see the wind. We can't see the way that the wind is moving uh, the trees, and yet we know it's there because we see the trees moving and we can feel it. That's how I kind of like to think between the minors and the majors. Now, when we are working with the world, we are fully being asked to contemplate our creation, destruction, and evolution happening at the same time. We are being asked to step into a space that is at the same time, again, in the space of sovereignty, in the space of in and of itself, and yet... There are so many other things at play before and what is to come after that that is why the world shows us that the rising, the evolutionary journey, the hinging of the door, this journey is never fully over and there's no hierarchy in it. If we move back into our past, if we're reflecting on something in order to gain clarity, in order to tend, to heal, we are doing so in a way that can 
ultimately direct how we go forward in a new way. So the world kind of represents our creation, our destruction, and our evolution happening all at the same time. Now the way that I work with the three lines of seven in the major arcana is that the first line is our creation line, the second line is our destruction line, and the third line is our evolution line. So the first line is where the energies, the archetypes, the themes that the majors speak to in that line all kind of speak to this growing energy. But in order to evolve, not only is there a need to have a creation into something, something else must be destroyed or even that which we created has to be destroyed. When we are evolving, we are gaining something and losing something at the same time. If we look at the evolution of like birds, for example, and I just use this because this is what's around my house all the time. The hummingbird, which I mentioned in the last episode, I see constantly and they're so cute. The hummingbird has this very thin, tiny, tiny little beak that allows it to get into plants and flowers and the feeder that I have on my patio. Now, a bigger bird like the robin, the Stellar's jay, even some of the hawks that I've seen, obviously they are not going to be able to use these as food sources because their beaks will not allow them. They have evolved, and there's more evolution to this than just what I'm saying, obviously, but their beaks have evolved in a way where their food source is now different than the hummingbird. And that's what I mean when I say that when we are in a space of creation for our evolution, we also have to be in a space of destruction as well. That's why I teach the three lines this way. So when we look at the world, we have gone through all of that. But again, that doesn't mean the journey's complete. What it means is that we have taken what we need in this moment, or if we look back into our past, We are being invited to take what we need, but leave what we don't need or what can't come with us. And through that, the evolution of ourselves is hinged yet again. Now, this may almost feel way up in the conceptual space, time, ether, the liminal, and that's the point of the world. The world is so vast, so expansive, that as we're moving through these energies, we may not know that we are evolving until we intentionally look back and see at how far we have come. Look at just like, look at a picture of yourself as a child and then think about the vast life story, the vast life journey that you've gone to to get to this moment where you're looking back at a picture of yourself as a child. Sometimes that's how the world comes in for us is that we cannot fully grasp it until we can kind of take a step back. So one of the first invitations that I would invite for you is to look at a picture of yourself um, at a time that feels right to look at. Maybe a time where there was a significant uh, growth spur, both physically or mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Just find a picture and look at yourself and mark some of the ways that you evolved from that person to now. Then start to look at how the situations of your life could have gone very, very differently. 
but they didn't because through the creation and destruction and eventual evolution of yourself, that has made the path of your life what it is. And so many things could have been changed by happenstance, by luck, by fate, by choices. There's so much to look at. So I'm kind of talking about this in a very linear way, but it's not linear. And again, that's the point of the world. And then we also can look to, and we're invited to look at our potential self, our self hinging into this new rising, this new layer, this new form of skin that we're growing into. And that is how the world comes in for us. It is the creation, destruction, and evolution of ourselves all at the same time that can feel quite difficult again to tap into. So let me give you an analogy that I have found to really help me in working with the world in the way that I talk about it with uh, clients, the way I'm gonna teach it here. I like to think of the world as like the ocean, our vast, beautiful, deep, enormous ocean. When we stand on the shoreline of the ocean, we don't get a grasp of how big it is. Like we physically can't see it, but our brains and the way we understand the world almost can't comprehend the vastness of the ocean. Yet we feel the weight in every sense that we have. We feel it in our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. We can feel at this living, breathing entity And not only is that living, breathing entity something that kind of connects us more deeply into a bigger picture, that living, breathing entity is what allows us to live and thrive on this planet. This is a little bit of a romanticization, if you will. I mean, yes, we do need the ocean to thrive and to survive, but the plight of the ocean right now is quite dire. But when we look at the ocean and we feel it, we connect with it, And then we start to understand how even someone like me, landlocked state in Colorado, benefits from what the ocean gives. From our oxygen, to our rain cycle, even to some of the biggest exports and business that we have. When we look at how interconnected the ocean is to everything else around us, even if we're not physically present for it, that is the world in action. And then we go deeper still. We could say that we are a wave and we move as a wave across the ocean. No wave is better than the next one and we might be the next wave coming as well. But we are a wave that has moved across the ocean. And then the minute that it breaks on the shoreline, it rolls back in on itself and it returns. And then it just keeps going in this cycle, in this circular motion that is the world. And I hope that I'm doing justice and making a little bit of sense here, but I like to think of it as the ocean because we also can see it how interconnected things like the moon, the sun, storms. We could even now again put in things like the ways that humans have affected the ocean. With the world, we are as much a part of the cycle as the cycle is a part of us. When we go through our creation, our destruction, our evolution, we are placing our fingerprint on things through choices, through the way that we engage with others, through the way that we engage with the world. 
And in return, that cycles back to us our own creation, destruction, and evolution. Again, all happening at the same time. And when we start to tap into that vast expansiveness, we are in the space of the world's invitations. And the world is asking us to be part of the sacred work. It is saying that it needs more intentional fingerprints. It needs more of being a part of the sovereignty of ourselves, but also in the interconnection of the vastness of everything around us. Because once we start to do that and we have more of an awareness, more of a mindful way of directing and guiding ourselves through that, we see at how Yes, we are going through the creation, destruction, and evolution. We're going through things that some of which we cannot change, we cannot control. And some of the energies that we give out to the world and to the universe may not come back. If they do, they're going to be different. But we start to see at how we are in this ebbing and flowing of the energies that are within our own bodies and also within the world. We could even look at things like the way that our heart pumps blood. It sends blood out to all of the capillaries, to all parts of our body, and then it returns back to get more oxygen. So even within us, we have a little ocean that is this constant cycling and of change, but also consistency at the same time. And that's one of the biggest invitations that comes with the world is to see at how we can bring in change, how we can intentionally bring things in that might alter the momentum, but we're still on that momentous, expansive path that allows us to connect more into our hinging of our wild reclamation, of our claiming of haunted and hallowed ground as sacred together, of how we move in and out of each day, in and out of each season. So the world invites us to take into consideration how both change and consistency allow us to move through our days, through our moments, through our relationships, through our magical work, through the mundane work, and how all of that contributes to the path that we are on. And one of the other things that I have found to be so helpful in working with the world is to use and tap into dream work. So I would invite you to consider, even if you don't want to keep a dream journal, although I think that is to be one of the most helpful ways to engage with dreams, because we often, if we remember a dream when we wake up, we may forget it throughout the day, let alone dreams we had the day previous. But dreams are very much part of this kind of liminal worldly energy. Because in our dreams, our brain is obviously just kind of expelling, going through some of the detritus of information and downloads that we get. Some of it is not an intuitive guiding force, a guiding voice, but some of it is. And when we start to work with dreams, we're working with past, present, and future together. Because our dreams have within them the space to show us things that we're still connecting to, maybe people or places. It shows us things that in our present moment we're maybe subconsciously holding, but it also shows us that in a space of 
beyond us, past us, even in the future, there are things affecting us that allow us to tap into our dreams. We could say some of these things are the collective unconscious. Some of these things are the collective intuition of just energy present that we're not aware of, but maybe we will be at some point. So I have found, and I invite you to consider working with dreams in relation to the world because at least in my own work in my own experiences, I can say that working with dreams has shown some very clear threads of what I'm trying to do or what I really dream of and hope for and wish for and where I'm trying to get to. So for instance, share a little dream of mine that I had just a few days ago. I had this dream that I was trying to put together a Halloween costume but I was frantic because like certain things weren't in my size. I couldn't find certain things that I wanted to make this outfit complete. And I wrote this down in my dream journal. (laughs) I wrote this down in my dream journal. And then I came back to it a few days later and I had some other dreams. You know, this is, I've been kind of doing this now for over a week. And I noticed that in many of my dreams, I am trying to find something, trying to put something together, trying to build something, trying to understand something, and I feel like I'm lacking. I feel like there's a piece that I'm missing. And what this dream of the Halloween costume showed me was that I feel like I'm not trusting my own creative instincts to make this what I want. That I have to have physical things in order to make the image that I have within the vision come true. But when we use creativity, it doesn't matter if we don't have everything. It doesn't matter if everything's perfect down to the last detail. What matters is that our creativity ebbed and flowed and moved with gathering what we need, maybe saying, okay, I can't get this. I will use this instead. Again, finding some ingenuity in there. And that makes the future Halloween costume of my dream. So in working with dreams, we are working with past, present, and future together in a way that we don't fully understand in our waking aware lives. So I hope that made a little sense. If dreams is not something you want to work with, maybe you don't really remember a lot of your dreams or it's just not something you want to do, I would then invite you to take a moment or take some time throughout your day to reflect on, consider, write down, or any sort of taking note of, if you will, where you are in a space of creation, where you are in a space of destruction, and where you are in a space of evolution. If we look back at the Halloween costume dream of mine, and as I mentioned that through that and through some other dreams that I wrote down, I could see where I was repeating these patterns or creating these symbols in my dreams of lacking, of wanting something, of needing something, what that comes down to is a lack of trust, like I said, in my own creative endeavors. I feel I have to have very specific things in place. I feel I have to have a very detailed bullet pointed list journal thing of everything that's in my vision in order for me to put it out into the physical world, into creation, into shape. When in reality, those things are not needed. And so as much as I'm in the space of creating things at times, the destruction comes in this lack of trust. The destruction comes in editing and in designing and in 
finessing my creative vision down to what it needs to be. So the evolution for me in this example that I'm using is in relation to being in a space of creating energy, editing, finessing, and trusting. The trust is the evolutionary part that my creative vision comes out the way it needs to and is going to serve, have a bigger purpose, reach more people maybe, be more what it feels like or what it felt like in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit when I trust the process and I don't micromanage myself. So if again you don't want to work with dreams, I would just take some time to consider where you were in a space of creation, destruction, and evolution and what is the theme between those three things. That will show you your hinging into this next phase, into this next big, big energy. It could be into your purpose, it could be into the next month, it could be into a goal, it could be into making a big choice, it could be anything, and it doesn't have to be even as big as that. But the world does bring in big macrocosmic energies as we've been talking about. So when you see how you were in the space of creation, destruction, and evolution together, you can start to maybe get a better image of that hinging energy. Like the wind in the trees, you have this awareness that the energy is there by the things that are moving around you and how that movement, that momentum creates a part of the movement that you're in or a part of the cycle that you're in, you're moving through. Also, one more point to go back to when we were talking about the world in relation in the analogy of the ocean, one of the other things why I use this analogy, teach this analogy, is because the world has so many beautiful and brutal things that we can see It holds such majesty beneath its waves. It holds all these animals. It holds all of these uh, journeys, migrations. It holds all of this evolution in a space that is not something that we, looking at it, can physically thrive in. So there's this sense of seeing something majestic, mysterious, and all of these things help the ocean be what it is. And then we also see at how there's so much of the ocean that we have not even discovered yet. There are so many mysteries, so much to know. That is also world energy. Because as we can do these different things that I'm inviting you to do and even more, that's going to give us part of the image. It's going to give us a clearer path in working with the world. But as with all the major arcana. We're not ever fully holding the energies of the major arcana in its totality. We have the felt sense or awareness of that, but we can't hold all of the energies of the world, just like we can't hold all of the energies of any of the major arcana. Sometimes even the minor arcana or the core cards. Sometimes the tarot as a tool 
is something where we have the ability to take what we can or to get the bare bones of what we need. The journey of ourselves with our tarot is also its own evolution. So as much as we can see and tap into the vast majesty of what is beneath the waves on top of the ocean and go beneath the water's surface, there's still so much that we don't know, hasn't it hasn't been discovered, we're learning about now for the first time ever. So the world is that same way. There is so much that we can start to see and get clarity on, like how we can see that there's wind moving through the trees by the tree branches and the leaves moving, but there's also things that we just have to feel, we just have to trust is there at times, and we have to move with it in this liminal space even if we are very much in a physical present moment. Working with the world, it's not about trying to get down to every little detail, you know, like again with the creative ingenuity. It's not about having to have everything in order to move forward with the world or with anything on our evolutionary journey. It's about using what we have, what we can tap into, making more intention, more mindful interactions with the energies within and around, above and below, so that we can have more of a support system as we move through this evolutionary journey and all that comes with that, but we're not ever gonna have like every tiny little thing held within our grasp. Before I move on and start talking about the Nightingale Reversed, I just wanna read the world poem from the book that I just published, Major Arcana, a poetry collection. The link will be in the show notes if you would like to purchase this little poetry manuscript. It has a poem for every Major Arcana card in this collection, so I will have that linked if you wish to purchase it. And I just, uh, yeah, I just wanna read it and share it with you guys. The world. I spin to a heathen dance until my feet chafe and bleed. Now they are ready to carry me up the mountains where the bear reveals herself from the black belly of her sacred corner. This space has been untouched, allowing her small treasures to receive the gift of milk until, like all of us, their appetites must be fed by something that was warmed by the sun. At some point, we must become our own mothers and fathers, needing to find our own small corners where we may be safe for the winter or from the hunter. As I tread my hands along the curve of this blue, seeking the spot that will welcome me home, I look up to the stars, see the Ursa Major. She may be a few gems in this chandelier hung from the heavens, yet she nurses me with light. Even though we both have had to walk far to find our rivers, trailing red behind us, I promise her that I will never stop dancing. So that is the world poem. Again, I will have the link in the show notes if you wish to purchase the book. I share these poems a little bit for shameless self-promotion, but I also share them because I believe that the fingerprint of poetry and tarot together allows a narrative to come in that transcends and takes what we're talking about in the podcast and just gives it a new spin, a new perspective. And that's one of the reasons why I've always loved poetry. And that was one of the reasons why I worked so hard on this book in the first place, because I wanted the poems to speak to the cards, but also transcend them from just one deck, one meaning, one thought. So yeah, I will have that linked in the show notes for you. 
So now it is time to move on to the Nightingale Reversed, another air card. We had one last month with the Hummingbird, and this month we have the Nightingale Reversed. Now this indicates that there's a flowing trend or a moving narrative that's coming with us of what we are seeing and how we're connecting to the bigger picture, how we are moving and acting in this world. The air element in both the animal spirit deck and in tarot relate to the way that we engage with the world through our thoughts, our ideas, our philosophies, our beliefs, our communications, and how we move through the world with these things as part of our guide. It is about connecting to the very physical part of our world, of moving through it, but it takes on the lens of what is it we're seeing in this world and how is that affecting the narrative of which we speak, of which we brainstorm, of which we communicate our values, our ideas. Again, these bigger philosophical conceptual narratives that connect very deeply to the spirit. However, the air element is what is connected or in communication with all those things that we were talking about. How the things that motivate us move us to connect more deeply to our spirits, how the things that we see in this world call us in and up to speak on it, to speak the truth, to make change, or to tell us how to place our own story within the story of the bigger picture. So with the air element, this is where, again, the things like thoughts, ideas, expressions, communication, values, concepts, inspirations come in that move us or call us into some kind of change, call us into some sort of reflection, and call us into some sort of awareness and understanding. With us having two, this theme continues. However, with the nightingale being reversed, there's a call here to really kind of connect to and come back to what it is we're feeling in and what we're moving through um, in our internal selves. Some of the key phrases and key words from the guidebook for the nightingale are fearless voice, speech, communication, or song. The song of the nightingale is otherworldly. It transports its listener to the realm of poetry. Nightingale energy is with us when we write, compose, and especially when we sing. It reminds us that music heals the deepest wounds. This card indicates a need to open the bridge between the heart and the voice. When in balance, sings, speaks freely and with kindness. When out of balance, shy, lump in the throat to bring into balance music. So, the nightingale is our transcendent voice. The nightingale is our transcendent voice in connecting between our hearts and our truth. It is the voice that connects all parts of us into the emotional space, into the spiritual space, into the physical space. And through that voice, we connect more deeply to the things that inspire us, move us, motivate us, and speak more deeply about our own truths. The nightingale is the voice of our hearts. With it being reversed though, so there's an invitation here for you to consider with it being reversed. Is there something you're not saying? 
that needs to be said right now? Is there something that you feel shy to say because you don't feel that what you have to say is going to be heard, received, and taken in in a way that you wish that matters, that will be valued or validated? I would never advocate for speaking your truth in places where it is unsafe to do so or where you know the people are not going to receive it and take it in the way that you need to. This is not in any way meant to be negative. There are just people in my life that I, as much as I love them, I value them, there are things that I would not say to them because I know that if I were to say something, it's not going to be treated or valued the way that I would need it to be. And because of that, the nightingale immediately asks us to find those places where it will be valued, whether that's with another person, whether that's with a pet. Uh, I mentioned in the po- in the Instagram reel that I talk to the trees on my property all the time and I say to them things that I feel I can't say out loud or I can't say to maybe to specific people. I can't say in specific situations. I talk in my journal all the time. So there's a need here to just let out the voice and to start doing that in a way that feels safe. And again, is going to be validated. But what I would invite immediately is to start letting that voice out in a way that is safe that is comfortable, and that is in connection with your higher truth. So there is an invitation here to start to let out, sing out, bring out your transcendent voice, your heart's voice. This connects to the world because as we mentioned, there is this folding over and this layer and this nuance that keeps going with us as we move through our creation, destruction, and evolution. And there's this vast, expansive experience that we have with the world where we see it how it's happening kind of all at the same time and it's all just kind of folding in on itself like that wave on the beach. And when we start to speak on that, we start to speak through that. And when we start to speak from a place of truth, from our heart's truth, in this space of our creation, our destruction, and our evolutionary journey, we start to see at how that moves us into not, not necessarily a place of influence, but a place of conviction. And that conviction allows the journey that we have gone through the brutality in some parts of those journeys, the most beautiful parts of some of those journeys, when we start to speak on that truthfully and we start to speak our truth as we have been changed through those journeys, we start to see at how not only do we create and become a change agent, but we then see how the things or the transcendent voices that we bring in that inspire us are a change agent for us. This goes back again to what we were talking about and how we are as much a part of the seasons and the cycles as they are a part of us. And it is the same thing with the transcendent voices of ourselves and with the transcendent voices that we bring in. This is why things like music, poetry, song, story, art, dance, anything like this connects in a very intimate way to us. There are songs that maybe have been with us our whole life that speak to something that we've gone through. Those songs, that music, 
the lyrics, the way that the singer sings it, what that is doing is holding up a mirror to our own part in that journey in our creation, destruction, and evolutionary path. And so when we start to do that, we then become a mirror in our own right for the world, for others, for something that can be taken by someone or something else in resonance and reverence and used to invite change in the best possible way for them. And this is again why the nightingale so beautifully connects to the world. Because the nightingale shows that when every single little part or when every single little voice has its own transcendence and resonance there is that interconnection that allows for the sovereignty of a song but it connects so much more and transcends into these themes these ideas these feelings and these situations and experiences that we have placed on our hearts and that is part of our heart's truth So the most beautiful part of the nightingale in connecting to the world is that when we see how in our own sovereign evolutionary journey, we can hold up a mirror in speaking our transcendent voice because others have done that for us and we um, we have allowed them to do that for us. We've allowed stories to move us. We have allowed music to make us cry, make us laugh, to come with us maybe 20 years. I know I have music like that. And we have allowed that mirror to be up there for our own evolutionary journey, our own vast expansive and folding back in and the journey's never over. And when we start to speak that, and remove that lump in our throat and say our transcendent voices in places where it will be validated, we get to be that mirror for others, for other things. And that's a beautiful connection to the world's energy. Because if the journey's never over for us, it's not over for others. And if we can hold mirrors up to each other and validate the brutality and the beauty in an evolutionary and wild reclaiming of our spirits and of ourselves, then we are all in a space of connecting in some way to every other thing. That is another level of that layer and nuance that deepens our evolutionary journey. If we're not interconnected to the other things and other people and places and animals and everything else that makes up this big beautiful world, it really wouldn't be an evolutionary journey. Because as much as we are our own sovereign beings you are a beautiful sovereign spirit part of the beauty in that is the interconnections that have come with you on your journey that have made your beautiful spirit what it is and that's the same for me that's the same for everyone when we start to acknowledge that speak on that that is truly the nightingale at work So the invitations here is to start speaking your heart's truth in ways and places that feel right to do so and to encourage that to become contagious in a way that the more you do it, the easier it gets. And maybe the more you do it, you're opening the space up for others to start speaking their heart's truth as well. There's an invitation to listen to music and to song. So listen to the music that moves you. Listen to the music that calls you in and up to higher places, to lower places, and to acknowledge the truth in those in those lyrics and the beat and in the energy of those songs and how that is a part of your own mirror, your own evolutionary journey. I would also say find stories, art, dance, or any other sort of transcendent voice. I don't think it should be limited to just music, but I think music does have its very own particular language, especially with the nightingale. 
And finally, with the nightingale, there is an invitation here to see how, even in the moments of harsh truths, how to do so with kindness. Some of the things that are part of our transcendent and higher voice are not going to be the most easy to say, and they may not be the most easy for others to hear, or for other things to hear. It may not be easy to just be spoken, and yet... To do so with kindness is one of the most beautiful invitations that comes and to find a way to say it with kindness or even if it can't be said with full kindness to at least not be said with a level of hostility or malicious intent because truth is that it doesn't need you know it doesn't need spite or revenge and sometimes we get into that because of our emotions and the nightingale calls us into not remove our emotions, to honor them, to validate them for what they are, but then to say that this can be said in a way where it will be reached, where it will be a mirror if I do so with gentle honesty, with kindness. So that's the final invitation that I have for the nightingale before we move on to the affirmation is what needs to be said? What needs to be heard, perhaps through music or taken in through story or anything like that? And how is that a mirror? for your own evolutionary journey and to call that in more and with whatever needs to be said to say it with kindness to say it with a sense of gentleness or sweetness or at least just a level of honesty that is not motivated by malicious intent spite or resentment one final thing that i would like to say on the nightingale before we move on in relation to being a change agent one of the other ways that we see the nightingale in action is when we speak up for causes situations or beliefs about what the world should be so we see the nightingale come through sometimes in the form of things like activism or using our hearts to speak up for the truth that maybe others cannot do so or we feel that this truth needs to be heard and we use our platform when we use that space to speak up for these things, that's also, I believe, in relation to the nightingale because the nightingale is a change agent. Again, the nightingale calls us in and up and out of a situation, out of this current situation into what we believe the world can and should be. So that is another way that the nightingale comes in and speaks to some of the world's energy, the tarot cards world's energy. That when we speak up for things or when we let it out, get it down, we sing about it, we write about it, we dance about it, we make art about it. What we're doing is taking a level of expressive freedom that we often have to take in order to really be heard. And there's going to be resistance in that. We talked about this before, that sometimes with the nightingale, we are in a space where we shouldn't speak our heart's truth because it's just not going to be validated. It's not going to be taken in in the way that we need it to be taken in by others. However, and I just want to kind of end and put a little pin in this, is that sometimes we need to say it even if it's not going to be validated by others because even if we know we're never going to change someone else's hearts or minds, that's not the point of the nightingale. The nightingale is not there to just change maybe one person's mind or just to make one person angry. The nightingale as a change agent moves in the same way that any sort of artistic expression does. It's there to be part of the collective and then there's going to be those who resist it, who resent it, there's going to be those who love it and everything in between. Using the nightingale's energy is not about just uh, speaking it to make someone change 
change their mind. The point of the nightingale is to transcend and be part of this collective dialogue that needs to be said and needs to have the freedom to be said. I see the nightingale in action in the movie Pleasantville. And if you have not seen this movie, go see it. It's an amazing movie. Just to give you a little premise of the movie, the, there is a sibling pair, brother-sister of Tobey Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, and they're fighting over this remote for a TV, and um, Tobey Maguire loves this show, Pleasantville, and it's a very kind of leave-it-to-beaver type of show, very... This whole town and everyone in this town and in this show is very sheltered. Things are very naive, almost innocent, you could say, very much based in gender roles and nothing is ever really pushed or challenged. Everything is part of a status quo that serves to keep the peace, quote unquote, but in reality, all it does is stifle things like creative expression, like music, like art. And the show is in black and white. When the brother-sister pair gets sucked into this show and things start to change, uh, one of the things that you see is that things start to become in technicolor. So color starts to come in and color is a very um, visceral, vibrant energy. And there are people that don't feel comfortable with like their wives being in technicolor. Well, they, the man is in black and white. Uh, they see it as like radical and uh, scary. There's a cafe that Tobey Maguire starts to work at because he becomes like the main character in the show, Bud, and Bud works at the cafe. And as these changes start to occur, he's talking to the cafe owner, played by Jeff Daniels, and Jeff Daniels loves art. So when the color starts to come in and changes are starting to be made, things like music, uh, people are pushing gender roles or marital, marital roles, these things start to really ruffle some people's feathers, uh, mostly the old white men, but others, like uh, the women and the young kids in this show, they really start to embrace this because it is something that they haven't been able to vocalize, to use, to say, to express. And so through things like color and art, uh, they start to use that. And at the end, there's a mural on the cafe and it's... Um, They've painted like book covers, like The Catcher in the Rye, you know, these banned books that you would never even think of reading in a place like this. And it's meant not to ruffle feathers for the sake of that, but what it's meant to do, this mural on this cafe, is to say, this is the world. This is the world we live in. And to be human, to be spiritual, to be alive in this time is to be affected by music, by stories, by colors, by the creative expression of the world itself. And we are a part of that. And that's exactly what I think of the nightingale is that when we're tapping into nightingale energy and speaking our heart's truth and we're using these creative expressions to do so, what we are saying is that we have a right to live in this world in a way that affects us and that we affect other parts of the world. So I just wanted to mention that and I will also have the lyrics um, or a link to the song Nightingale by Nora Jones. It's a beautiful song. Nora Jones is a beautiful singer and I will have that listed. I can't play it for like copyright reasons obviously uh, but that song also kind of has a lot of this Nightingale change agent uh, collective energy. And so yeah, I will have those linked and listed so that you can go to that, listen to that, watch that if you wish.
Moving on to the affirmation, our affirmation is my heart is open and expansive. You could add anything after that. My heart is open and expansive to change. My heart is open and expansive to my evolution. My heart is open and expansive to the world. You could add anything else after that that you wish. And sometimes I write the affirmations for our forecast in a way that you can add on to that if you wish. But our affirmation for this month is my heart is open and expansive. And this connects very heavily to all three cards. If you're not a Patreon member, um, a patron of Tea and Tombstones, the third card also speaks very much to the first two and to the affirmation. So I will have the link if you want to become a patron and get the additional podcast content, the third monthly card and the additional podcast content that goes with that. But our affirmation for this month is my heart is open and expansive because again, we have the just enormity of the world, the utter expanse of the world's energy as a card and what it invites us into of being part of these bigger cycles, bigger seasons, and yet allowing ourselves to be part of that process actively, mindfully, but also humbly to recognize that again, that if we're a wave on the ocean and we just fall back and we keep going and we just return, there is a sense of humility in that. But it's a humility in that the journey's never over and that's what allows us to move through this world and through our journeys without a need to perfect it, to always get it right, to have everything figured out. We're not, that, that's not realistic. What it's meant to do is just to be open to it, to learn from it, to grow with it, to move with it. And then we use the energies of the nightingale to speak on it, to create from it, to be a mirror for someone else, to know that they are not alone, to know that they don't have to have every answer figured out, to know that they don't have to have it perfect, because no one does. No one does. And the nightingale unites challenges and transcends the experience to allow us to connect to each other and to other energies, entities, and spirits that are around us, within us, and above us. So that is the affirmation for this month. I will also have the resource uh, also through Patreon for working with the affirmation so that you can have the spell or the resource that I add for that affirmation in time for the harvest moon. I always try to make sure that I get that out in time for um, for the full moon. That is our affirmation for this month and just seeing how your heart can be open and expansive to certain things, maybe to one specific thing that you're working through and to know that a you are not alone to know that we are all hinging on these energies we're all going through our creation destruction and evolutionary journeys in our own way in our own time and to have the space to speak on that express that is truly a gift and truly needed so that is our affirmation those are our monthly cards i want to thank my wraiths patrons Lisa Zimmerman, Bobby McDermott, and Deb Guy, thank you. Thank you so much for your continued support in Tea and Tombstone. As always, it means the world to me. And to you, dear listener, thank you. Thank you so very much for being here with me. And I will connect with you at the end of the month for our next podcast episode. Until then, take care. Bye.
Thank you for listening and for letting me into your day. If you liked this podcast and you enjoy the content of Tea and Tombstones, please like the show, rate it on iTunes, continue to listen to past and future episodes, and share with someone who would enjoy these fierce discussions. These are the best ways to show your support and it is greatly appreciated. If you would like to work with me in services of tarot guidance and spiritual allyship, please click the link in the show notes to be directed to my store and services page. Consider becoming a patron so you get an extra card every month, resources for the affirmation, and physical products that coincide with that third monthly card. Finally, come find me and say hi on Instagram. Keep howling, my wild one.